Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college basketball, professional basketball, the NHL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 177. At the time of recording, we're finishing up the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs and going into the uh, finals in the NBA, which means we're wrapping up those seasons. And in my eyes, the next thing that's really coming up here is the NFL. I'm sure you've all heard of the cat gauntlet or maybe called the cat in the hat or something where a team plays all of Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Carolina, and Detroit and beats all of them, right? They beat all the cat teams. What's really impressive is that this next year, the New Orleans Saints have the ability to do something similar, but with all of the bird teams, the bird battle, the bird gauntlet, whatever you want to call it. They are poised to see the Falcons on week 1 and 15, the Seahawks on week 5, the Cardinals on week 7, which is going to be a Thursday night football game, the Ravens in week 9, and then the Eagles um, in week 17, which is New Year's Day, I believe, uh, which will also be our host Kyle's birthday. Hopefully they can win all of those games and uh, be the first team to ever beat all of the bird teams. Uh, funny enough, this actually most recently happened or could have potentially happened in 2020 with the Cowboys, but they uh, uh, they did lose to, I don't even remember who they lost to, probably the Eagles. Um, but yeah, the, the bird battle. How interesting is that? Yeah, kind of interesting that it has happened before. Um, it's, it's definitely doable this year, for sure. Um, a lot of these teams aren't point it shaping up to be super super competitive i mean uh, de- depending on quarterback health right uh, especially for arizona and baltimore yeah arizona and baltimore obviously are the biggest hurdles there but it's definitely doable they should be able to beat atlanta and seattle for sure yeah. so they, they should have a chance going into week seven that's all i'm saying we'll keep a tracker on it i will uh, correct myself the cowboys lost to the seahawks not to whoever i, I spat out on a whim Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Wyatt, you've got to, like, set a calendar reminder or something so you check back in on this every week of the NFL season and keep us informed because now I'm invested. So. Absolutely. As soon as the streak either continues or breaks, we'll, uh, we'll certainly let you and the rest of our audience know. Thank you because I'm going to forget about it. Watch it be week one with Atlanta. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that would Don't be fun. That. It would be easier for Wyatt, right? You'd get to yep. stop tracking it. But it's no fun for the rest of us. True that. Speaking of no fun for the rest of us, especially those um, most acutely familiar with and supporters of Iowa State men's basketball, was the news this week that broke that Tyrese Hunter determined his final transfer destination. Um, And thank you to the NIL and the transfer portal for combining to do this because he has chosen Texas. Um, As always, horns down. Uh, when this news broke, um, Mike was very candid, uh, in our, our group texts on his, his initial thoughts on, um, what this really means. But ultimately, you know, I saw a lot of stuff between both Twitter, uh, writers for the, for the Cyclones, Big 12 fans in general is, um, a lot of, a lot of mixed signals, like, thanking Tyrese Hunter for what he's done for staying um, with TJ Otzelberger through an absolute, what looked to be an absolutely horrendous team. Uh, Lots of attrition and turnover from the year before he stuck it out and played for a year. So many people thankful for that. And then other people quick to say that the return for Texas, when he's introduced, he will receive the loudest booze um, ever. Now, it, in some rights, do I think, yeah, or do I want to boo him for for what it is um, and what's happened? A little bit, I'll admit that. But also at the same time, I looking back at it from like a 20,000-foot view is he did a lot for Iowa State, and ultimately it comes down to the NCAA, what the NIL has turned into, what the transfer portal has become now, and... Ultimately, if you're going to hate someone, hate Texas because they're easy to hate, and really they suck at basketball anyway. Um, I can't wait for them to be middle of pack of the Big 12 again next year. Uh, but ultimately, it sucks. 
it's it sucks that Tyrese Hunter is going to be seen in that god awful burnt orange color next season when we have to play him. But oh yeah, I'm a boo. I'm, I'm going to boo Tyrese Hunter. You can you can boo him. I mean, if I probably want. won't be at the one game that he's at Hilton Coliseum for. Maybe, but probably not. But I'll boo him on TV every time I see him. I personally wish he would have gone to Purdue. That would have been the easiest pill for me to swallow um, personally. But uh, it is what it is. I mean, just just leave the conference. I wouldn't have be upset right. at him that much if he just would have left the conference. Right. I mean, it's just it's going to be the same thing that Lance McCullers will face in Texas when he returns to Lubbock for the first time uh, when KU plays at Texas Tech. And and wow, that is a hostile environment that he'll have to go back into. Um, I'm glad Bill Self didn't get his grimy, nasty hands on him, though. Yeah, definitely not going to Kansas is the only like saving grace. Because at least, um, you know, he's not right in my backyard. That would have been very offensive to me. But Obviously, Texas is awful. I, I think both can be true, though. You can definitely say thanks for helping us out, and we're glad you were here. But also, I hate that you're at Texas now, and I think you're more than inclined to boo. As long as it doesn't cross the line or be anything personal, that's what college sports are all about, right? People being really passionate about their school, and you betrayed our school to go to another school in the conference. So you're going to get booed, and you're going to get booed every single time anybody sees you from the Cyclones, and that seems fair. But it's also fair to go get your your paycheck, so it's not personal, mostly. Yeah, don't in, don't insult his family or nothing like that. But right. boo him, and yeah, by all means, that's that's part of the sport. Let him know that we aren't happy that he left. We aren't happy, but what might be able to ease it a little bit is um, something to to pay attention to and watch for this week. And obviously, we'll keep you updated with all the news as it as it breaks but aj green obviously has been a hot topic for iowa state um recently he did end up withdrawing from the nba combine um and saying that he will officially come back to college for one more season those two schools being duke and iowa state uh he made official visits to duke and isu both last week and over the weekend um duke first then to iowa state expect a decision to be made this week hopefully early on let's just get the get it behind us, have him pick a place and, and play. Um, but ultimately, what does this mean? His com- commitment would be huge help for TJ, big score uh, in, in that aspect. I mean, yeah, here's a guy coming from from you and I who is really the heart and soul of that team last year. Um, it, it helps Iowa State reload and not rebuild especially with all the young talent that Iowa State has coming in. It's a little bit of that um, experienced guard that will really help help grow those uh, players for the future. So keep an eye out for that, and we will keep you updated as always. You know a little bit more about all the recruiting and ranking stuff than I do, Kyle, but would this be kind of TJ's first like big get? Obviously, Tyree Sunner was super highly ranked but that wasn't a tj acquirement whatever you want to say for that would that really be his first big commitment from anybody even though it's a transfer uh i would say so for the most part um, what i thought i believe aj green is rate really rated as like a four-star recruit in the transfer portal um they haven't really explicitly started putting putting those scores on on players but back when he committed in 2018 to northern iowa he was a uh, 96.9 or yeah 9693 composite um on 24 7 um ranked as the 12th point guard national or 12th point guard yeah nationally and 81 81st ranked player overall i think really one of the bigger gets for TJ though was uh that center i'm blanking on his name now from uh the Bonnies, St. Bonaventure. Uh, yep. Someone that, you know, it's not Iowa State's bread and butter to go out and get a six foot 11 transfer um, big that actually has like real playing experience and can be impactful um, 
in his first season. Yeah, we brought in Robert Jones and Jazz Koontz, but I, I for right now, I'm not expecting the same things um, from the recruit from this year in the transfer portal. So I think that was a huge get for, for Iowa State, a, a team that prides themselves in getting guards and turning them into uh, NBA talent. So we'll see how, how this one plays out. But, I mean, keep your eyes on uh, TJ in the next year with Omaha Baloo um, being like the number five ranked player in the nation, uh, possibly coming to Iowa State. He's narrowed his list down to four. Uh, and it's a pretty impressive list that he has, and, and Iowa State's made that final four. So TJ's doing big things, hopefully. So speaking of big things, I mean, Steph Curry and the Warriors continue to just keep doing big things, right, Arian? Yep, that is right. They're turning back the clock. Two years out of the playoffs, people thought they were kind of finished with their championship window. And before you know it, the Warriors are right back in the finals. Uh, the Warriors finished off the Mavericks since we last recorded. Uh, they dropped one game to them, but they did finish it off to in that series 4-1. to one. It was never really a terribly competitive series. Uh, and the Warriors just kind of showed off what they had. Just a, an incredible amount of offensive talent. And yet again, no really one amazing defender. Obviously, Draymond is a DPOY candidate and style of defender, probably one of the better defenders of our modern generation. And then Andrew Wiggins has his time, but uh, just great teamwork. And Steve Kerr continues to show that he is a fantastic coach. This is kind of the third iteration of the Warriors. You had the original Warriors and then you had like the Kevin Durant Warriors. And now we have it again. They've kind of reloaded put it back together and are just showing that as long as you have those cornerstone guys, get people who can play in your system and it'll work again. They kind of showed Steph, Clay, and Dre are still there. They had new players. You know, you have Jordan Poole, uh, even Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, their rookies this year got play, especially in a conference finals. That's pretty impressive for rookies. And Kevon Looney as well has been really good in this series. He had a game where he had 22 assists, 11 rebounds, offensive and defensive. And then he had his career high in the Mavericks series in the playoffs. So he is doing his best work when it matters most. And it'll be interesting to see if he can do anything against uh, the Celtics bigs, who are both very good with uh, Horford and Williams. And on that eastern side, <clears throat> excuse me, as I said, the Celtics did manage to steal a game seven on the road from Miami. It was a back and forth series. It really kind of came down to the last moment. There were multiple single-digit leads coming down the stretch. It looked like the Celtics were running away with it, but Miami did manage to pull it pretty close there a couple times. Uh, game six for Miami was basically just a Jimmy Butler showcase. He could do no wrong. I think he had 47, is that correct? Does anybody else remember? Yeah, I think that's correct. Something like 47, 48. Can't remember but he was that. fantastic. Uh, just pulling up. Anywhere he could get it, finishing through contact, and then just stellar defense like he always does. But in the end, it wasn't enough. There were definitely some injuries. He had an injury. Kyle Lowry had an injury. Um, Tyler Hero played a little bit Game 7, but really was out for most of the series as well. So it would have been nice to see both of these teams at full strength, but defensively, it was pretty much as expected and as billed to really, really good defensive teams. Um, I've noticed some... I noticed it, and some other people have talked about it. The Celtics seem to have a couple of problems closing out games. They would have big leads, and then they would lose them, or they would see them shrink really drastically in the last few minutes like we did see in that Game 7, and I see that being an issue going forward for the championship. You can't put your foot off the gas, and you can't give anybody any hope or like breath for these Warriors because they will look for it, and they will step on your throat, and they will end you. But these guys can take a zero, like a nine point lead, and that's three possessions for them easy. With Stefan and Clay and Poole, if they can't figure out how to tighten it up and keep it together, I don't think they win the series at all. As it stands now, my money's on Warriors and six, but I think it'll be pretty close overall, and it'll be really fun to watch. Hopefully, we get a couple less blowouts and a lot more close games than we've had these playoffs. Yeah, outside of Game 7 in the East, were any really of the games close the entire conference finals? Uh, you know, I think there was one that was pretty close for in the West. And then the games for the East were just weird. They were like blowouts, but they 
trading blowouts and then games that were close until the second half and then they turned into blowouts and it was kind of odd. The series was competitive, but the games were not competitive. Kind of like we talked about a couple of weeks ago in the NHL. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm hoping we have a little bit closer games here so we can actually stay interested throughout the whole game. Um, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, Something I'm concerned about for the finals, and you can tell me if this is true or not, is I don't know if Boston has the depth to be able to run with Golden State. Do you see that? Do you see Boston's depth being a concern or not? Um, I don't know that it's a concern necessarily. It's definitely something to look at potentially being a concern, especially since Golden State's going to get a lot more rest than they will. But these guys are used to kind of playing those big minutes and their stars are just kind of do that. They, You're right, they don't have a ton of depth, especially compared to Golden State. But I don't... I don't know. I don't see it being an issue until it becomes an issue and then we can discuss that. But I I don't anticipate it being a huge, huge difference. What I see being the problem is I I noticed this when I was watching some of the games. You have a big moment. And for Golden State, the ball's probably going to find Stefan. And if it doesn't find Steph, it can find Clay. Or if Draymond has the ball, he'll find the right person. And then you have the new option of Jordan Poole, who is basically just a miniature step, you know, Steph Curry, and he can do everything he needs to do. And then for some reason, at the end of shot clock for the Celtics, the ball too often ends up with Marcus Smart taking a contested three point jumper. He's not a great three point shooter. He can do it when he's open and he gets hot. But you have Jalen Brown. He's an all star, uh, all the NBA first teamer. And I think second team all defense. You have Jalen Brown. I don't understand why we can't get the ball to them. And it was working well. Everybody was making their shots in these games. But Jason Tatum passed a little bit too much in these conference finals. He was assisting well. He was finding guys. But down the stretch, if you guys are losing the lead, it's your team. So take over. You're wearing your Kobe armband and this and that. So get your shots and make them. And I think he's going to need to do a lot more of that in the finals rather than dishing it out to... Peyton Pritchard or Marcus Smart, he's got to show why he's the number one guy. And if not, Jalen Brown needs to show why he could be the number one. Yeah, that's fair. I'm looking forward to it. When when is game one? Is it uh, two? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? It's Thursday, right? But that's everything I have for the finals. Does anybody have any thoughts, predictions? Uh, the only thought that I have, and I guess question mainly for you, Ariane, since it is more of like your wheelhouse is this is this the start of another golden state quote unquote dynasty like are they here for a long time now probably not in my opinion uh if i was going to guess i would say the the warriors big 3 maybe have 3 years left of like really really top notch play so as quickly the older guys have on their downward slopes, which it's hard to tell. Well, you know, they're lagging a lot longer now than they used to. Stephen Curry is shooting. It could last forever if he can get to a spot-up roll like that. He does a lot of off-ball, but it's possible. And we still he's getting baggers off injuries, barely even playing this year. But I see them more of a, a, a good playoff team, maybe a contender, but they won't be the juggernaut and the dynasty that people were terrified of that they have been. Yes, but wrong any time before it wrong again. I think you would be more to see it be the start of a Boston dynasty than a Golden State dynasty. But I think they'll be a really good playoff team for the foreseeable future, especially with their young guys. And we haven't seen John, or we haven't seen James Wiseman play at all this year. Their number one overall pick from last year. A lot of people are down on him, but I think he'll be really if he can stay healthy. I'm done. I'm done watching the Warriors win trophies. They can win this year because it's a fun comeback story. After that, let's let's do something new. I agree. I I am of the belief that teams need to suffer to earn a championship, and Warriors fans did not suffer enough in one bad year to earn another championship. They need well, like the Warriors were hot hours. garbage for like ever before this. To be fair, so if, you know, the true. real Warriors fans who didn't just jump on in the last five or six years. That's true. They've had enough. But did they suffer enough for like four to earn four championships or maybe well, just like two? Yeah. You know? 
I can't hold it against them too much because pretty much all their guys are drafted, homegrown. They did it the right way other than the Kevin Durant debacle. That True. You can't hold it against them too much for picking well. They have a great front office and they have a great coach, great scouting and talent development. Everybody should really try and aspire to be the Warriors management-wise because they do a fantastic job all the time, basically. But of course, I don't want to root for Boston either because, you know, they're like, you know, what? One of the best historically, teams in the yeah. history, historically. So have like three billion championships. Yeah, I know. So, you know, also still a little bit bitter about Kevin Garnett. But yeah, that's fair. What are the official predictions for the finals? Uh, uh, Warriors have home court, so I'll, I'll agree with you. Warriors and six. Kyle? I'm going to say. I'm going to say Boston steals one at Golden State in one of the first two games. Um, and it, they're going to end up pushing it to seven, but Warriors win in seven. Okay. All right, Wyatt, what you got? You going to be the guy that picks Boston? No, I'm not bucking the tide. I'll say Warriors in six as well. All right. I feel confident now that the Boston Celtics are definitely going to win this championship because we all picked the Warriors. That's pretty <laughs> much the way it goes. Yeah. That's pretty much the way it goes. But that's pretty much everything that we got for the NBA Finals. So getting closer to the finals, the Stanley Cup on the NHL side. Go ahead and uh, Mike, yes. tell us what's going on in that world. Yes, we are. We um, just finished up the conference semifinals on um, Memorial Day, May 30th. So we are moving on to the conference finals. And we had some... No, I wouldn't call them not super competitive series, I guess. Um, in the East, first of all, the one uh, between the Panthers and Lightning, that was not a very competitive series. Um, the Lightning outscored the Panthers, um, what is that, 13-3 uh, to three over the course of a four-game sweep. Um, so the Lightning just dominated the Panthers um, to sweep them and go to their third straight Eastern Conference Finals. Um, in the West, um, the Oilers knocked off the Flames um, in five games in what was a very high-scoring series. Game one, the Flames won 9-6. to six. It sounds more like a baseball score than a hockey score. And the Oilers won 5-3, the Oilers won 4-1, the Oilers won 5-3, and the Oilers won 5-4 in overtime. So only once in this series did... Uh, the Oilers score less than five goals, um, which is a lot for a hockey game, for those of us who, who don't know. And they did it four out of the five games in the season. So is that great offense or just terrible goalkeeping? I didn't watch much of it, so I can't say for sure. But Connor McDavid um, for the Oilers is, in my opinion, the best offensive player in hockey right now. No offense to uh, Austin Matthews in Toronto or... Alexander Ovechkin in Washington, but I think Connor McDavid is the best offensive player in hockey. So I'm going to lean towards good offense, but you know it could have been some bad defense too. I don't know. Calgary isn't known as a high skilled team. Um, they were more of a physical bruising type team where they're just going to wear you down and grind you over the course of the game and you know beat you two to one or three to two. So I don't know. I didn't watch enough of it to say for sure, but I would lean towards. Just Connor McDavid being awesome. Gotcha. So, and then um, in the other series in the West, um, the Avalanche beat the Blues four games to two. Now that series wasn't super competitive um, score-wise. Um, the Blues did make it interesting. They did win two games in Colorado. Unfortunately, um, they lost every game that was played in St. Louis. Uh, so... Oh, no, sorry, they only won one game. In, no, they did win two games in Colorado, yeah. But they lost all three games played in St. Louis as well, so that wasn't great. Um, but that game was more interesting because there was quite a bit of um, drama in that series. Um, you had um, the Blues goalie get taken out um, in what I, I view. I watched the video. I viewed that as a legal hit um Naheem Kadri was going was uh going after a loose puck at the net um sort of got tangled up in a Colorado defenseman and absolutely plowed over the goaltender um St. Louis's number one goaltender Bingington or something like that I believe his name is um 
yes, it is Bington, Jordan Bington. Um, and he ended up being out for the rest of the series um, after that. Um, so, of course, as happens in hockey, um, again, I thought it was a legal hit. There was no penalty called on the ice, no discipline afterwards, hard play, tough play. You know, never like to see somebody get hurt, but it happens. Um, so then, um, as also tends to happen in hockey, the next game, the uh, Blues um, put a target on Kadri's back. Um, they were cheap shotting him, and he responded pretty well. He had a hat trick in that game. Um, the the Blues, I don't know, you want to call him tough guy, enforcer, goon, whatever you want to call him, whatever name you want to use for the big man in hockey who's not very skilled, who just hits people. Tried to throw an elbow to his head after he scored a goal, like like six seconds after he scored a goal, but missed, luckily. Um, so that was just not pretty. And the NHL Player Safety Department continues to be a disaster because they fined him $4,000 for two just just terrible, well, one terrible hit and one attempted hit on Kadri that he should have been suspended for at least a game, if not the rest of the, the playoffs. Uh, NHL player safety, for those who've been following it, is, is, is largely re- regarded as a joke across the National Hockey League. They, none of their decisions make sense to me. And I, I'm not the most, um, not the most uh, learned in hockey. Um, there, there are many who know more than me, but they just, their decisions, they're inconsistent. They're maddeningly inconsistent as to what does and doesn't get suspensions, and they don't do a good job of keeping players safe. So Isn't they're not it also run them. by a guy who used to be an enforcer when he played. Is that am I thinking of the right guy? Let I swear me that the, the president used to be kind of a, a goony enforcer guy when he played. So the the director of uh, NHL players. Safety is, I believe it's George Peros. Um, so let me look him up. Um, I could be wrong because however see, learned you are at hockey, I'm three times Kings. worse. He did go to Princeton. Um, so I don't know. Let me see. Well, yes. No, he was definitely enforcer because um, his best season, according this is according to Wikipedia, in the 2004-2005 season, he had 14 goals and 247 penalty minutes. All right. Um, yeah, so he once took boxing lessons to become a better fighter. That was in his minor league career. Um, that was his best minor league season. Um, yes. Um, yeah, he, yes, he definitely has, um, definitely more of an enforcer type guy. So that could have something to do with it. But yeah, they just don't do a good job and everyone knows it too. It's not like, you know... People bicker back and forth about, are they good? Aren't they good? No, every, just everyone thinks they're bad, and, and they are. Um, anyway, uh, like I said, he responded well because he had a hat trick um, in that series, uh, in that game, Kadri Kad- did. Um, so uh, the Avalanche are moving on to face the Oilers in the Western Conference Finals. Um, over in the Eastern Conference, the other series... The only really competitive one um, was between the Rangers and the Hurricanes. Um, that one went to seven games. Um, the Rangers ended up winning that series in seven games, or at least I'm presuming they will. They're up five to one with nine minutes left in the third. So we're going to act as if they won that. And if they're wrong, well, this will be awkward. But um, yeah, so there was some more, com- a, li- a few more competitive games in that one, especially early in the series. Um, I believe the home team won every one. Yeah, so the home team has won every game that series until this game seven. If the Rangers hold on, it'll be the first time a road team wins all series. Um, this has been a really, really good series um, between the two best teams in that division. It's just been fun to watch. Um, but it looks like the underdog um, Rangers are going to move to the Eastern Conference Finals to face the. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning and try to be the ones that stop the Lightning from reaching their third straight um, Stanley Cup Finals. Any questions about the NHL playoffs from anybody? Conference Finals will start um, in a couple days, um, especially in the West. They're going to start a little bit earlier in the West since those series ended up. They actually start on Tuesday 
um, in the West since that uh, finished up a little earlier. So, Who are our favorites to move on? I assume the Avalanche. Colorado will definitely be favored over Edmonton. Yeah. Um, I don't know by how much, but for sure um, they will be favored. I would assume Tampa Bay. I would pick Tampa Bay over um, over um, New York. Um, it looks like that's what um, five thirty eight is going to do as well. Um, yeah, five thirty eight is going to favor uh, Tampa Bay as well. Um, so those are definitely the favorites. Um, Tampa Bay is going to be com- coming in rested, um, which will help them as well with their sweep. So my money's on. Yeah, my money's on uh, the Avs and the Lightning. But. I'm definitely rooting against the Avalanche because they are owned by the Cronkies. So. Really? They, uh, don't they own the Nuggets too? Mm-hmm. They own all Colorado teams except for the uh, formerly St. Louis Rams, which was against the rules of it's the yes, ownership I- groups, but he transferred it to his son. So technically he only owns the Rams and his son owns the Nuggets and the Avalanche. Yeah. And it's also, you know, a little bit taboo to own teams in other cities, hmm. right? Like if you, yeah. I wouldn't be that upset, you know, if the same person owned, you know, all the teams in one city, okay. But, you know, like, you anyway, I don't like owning teams in different cities. Yeah, Cronky's always had creepy used car salesman vibes, though. So it, it kind of fits yeah. his character. Yeah. I'm just hoping somebody can beat the Lightning. I don't really want them to three-peat. So Fair enough. that would be... That would be sad. It's happened a lot of times in NHL history, but I still don't want it. It's still not great. So um, moving on to Mike's stupid rules, unless anybody has um, any other questions, I'm going to talk about a play I saw a couple times um, recently, once in the um, MLB and then once in a college game um, here over the last three weeks or so. And that's player umpire collision um so essentially in a, a player umpire collision essentially the i mean obviously this is never something you want to have happen right umpires are generally instructed to avoid players but um the one in the uh um in the mlb game we saw um it was a ball hit to dead center so the second base umpire was going out to make a catch no catch call um, in center field and the second baseman was coming out to be the cutoff man. So they were both looking at the ball and not at each other. And they sort of ran into each other. Um, but you know, if it happens, it's just a play on a player running into an umpire is a play on. I mean, the college game, it was a runner, um, rounded first base, ran into the first to, into the first base umpire who was moving towards second base because, again, on a ball to center field, the second base umpire went out to make a catch-no-catch call. So the first base umpire rotated over to make a call at second base as his proper umpiring. And the guy running first base ran into him and then ended up getting thrown out at second base to boot. Um, don't run into the umpires. That's basically the moral of the story. The ball is live. Nothing happens. There's no recourse. Just don't do it. Um, the only time umpire interference would get called is if the umpire interfered with the catcher's ability to throw out a runner or a batted ball hits an umpire in front of the fielders, right? So this would normally be a second-base umpire playing in front of the fielders. Um, a batted ball that hits an umpire behind the fielders, like a line drive that hits the first-base umpire in the shin or something, that's a live ball off the umpire's shin. Um, it's only dead um, if it hits him in front of the runner. Um, otherwise, it's just a play on. We're just going to play on. Um, it's as if it didn't happen. So that's that's the rules. Don't run into the umpires. They're not trying to run into you. It's not their fault. Just just don't do it. Any questions? Don't run into the umpires, the moral of the story. Uh, Copy that. No questions. Pretty straightforward. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um, so we will be moving in to our write that down prediction segment. This is our second to last accountability session of the 2021-2022 write that down um, prediction season. So next week, um, during next week's episode, you will hear our final standings for the write that down prediction season. 
Um, I am looking forward. I don't even know what the results look like. Um, so this will be interesting to see for me and everybody else, I'm sure, who won our Write That Down predictions this year. But for now, we're going to take uh, quite a few predictions off the board as we're getting close to the end of the um, season. So first a prediction from Josh, who predicted the Brewers would score 10 runs in their series against Atlanta. Um, they won game one, one to nothing, lost game two, three to zero, and then won game three, seven to six. Um, that is eight runs, which is less than 10 runs. So for that, Josh gets a nah. Nah, nah, nah. I predicted, so the rest of these are ones that I sort of either missed or other things throughout um, the year. So we might need a little bit of discussion on these. Um, so you guys will have to help me out. I predicted the Cyclones don't finish the year in the top 25. Um, after the NCAA tournament, um, we did not have an AP poll, but we did have a coaches poll. Um, I assume we should base this off the post NCAA tournament coaches poll. Does that make sense to everybody or what are we thinking here? Yeah, I think finish the year in the top 25 to me means we look for the last poll. It wasn't specified AP, so I would say we just look at that coaches poll. Okay. In that coaches poll, they were ranked, I believe it was 23rd, 22nd, somewhere in the, the, the 20s. Um, but that is in the top 25, so I guess for me that makes a... Nah. 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 Now, Wyatt's prediction about uh, college basketball did specifically specify the uh, AP poll. He predicted the men's team would finish ahead of the women's team in the AP poll. So for this, do we use the pre-NCAA tournament AP poll or the post-NCAA tournament coaches poll? I mean, I guess we have to use the AP poll if AP poll was specifically stated. Wyatt, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, we we have to. The spirit of the prediction was not that. but I mean, I, I can't argue with what I said. You know, I, I did say the AP poll. I should have just said poll because I had assumed that the AP poll would come out after. I didn't realize that it did not up until assumed it would. Yeah, and that's exactly. part of the reason why I left these predictions on the board after the tournament. It's like, oh, I'll wait for the last AP poll, and then it just never came. So I just <laughs> left them there. So yeah, the, yeah. the spirit of it would 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 be uh, looking at the coaches pool. But since I did specify the AP pool, I think we got to, we have to go with that. Okay. So the last AP poll. Sorry, go ahead. I said the last AP poll came out March 14th for both the men and women. So that was definitely before the tournament was over. Um, The men were unranked at that time. Um, They weren't even receiving any votes and the women were ranked 10th. Um, So that's definitely not correct then. And I mean, they also weren't ahead in the, post-tournament coaches poll either, so I guess you're going to get this wrong either way, but uh, yeah, we'll give you a nah for that one. Nah. Nah. Uh, the next one, why you predicted that uh, Mike McCarthy would get the boot, get fired in Dallas. Are we leaving this one on the board until the start of the regular season, or are we taking it off now? I mean, there's no way that he's going to get fired now, right? Like, the, the prediction no. was supposed to be he would get fired in the offseason. Like, it wasn't specified, but that was implied. Okay. Um, I, I think we could take it off. I'm you have fine to do like a John Gr- or something to get fired. Mm-hmm. Okay. We will take it off the board. So, nah. Nah, nah. Uh, Kyle, this one is for you a question. Wyatt predicted that you would get another ulcer before um, the end of the write that down season. Do you Have you gotten another ulcer since then? I- I am happy to report, unfortunately for Wyatt, I am ulcer-free. There you go. Congratulations. Good job. Except for Wyatt. So, nah. 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 Uh, And then one more prediction from Wyatt. This one doesn't require much thought at all. Um, He predicted that the Cubs would be above 500 at the end of May. It is not quite the end of May yet. Um, There's still one day left to go, but the Cubs are 19 and 29. It's hard to win 11 games on one singular day. Um, so, Wyatt, that's a... That was a very negative accountability session. Especially for Wyatt, yeah, it was. Yeah! Feel that batting title slip away. Yep. I, yeah. I, realistically, I never had it to, to begin with. 
That's but probably true. But we could certainly give you all uh, some chances to up your batting averages by putting some more predictions back up on the board. Yeah, I will get us started as I normally do. Um, though the Twins have been sliding a little bit um, as of late, losing uh, four out of the last six now, I believe. Maybe it's three out of the last five. Can't remember. Um, but um, I'm still thinking they're a, a, a pretty decent team. Um, I am going to predict that they will um, get a first round bye in the playoffs. So remember, in the expanded MLB playoffs, the top two teams get a bye, um, top two division winners get a bye, and then the other division winner and the three wild card teams play in the first round. Mm. I I don't think they're I don't think they're the top like a top two team just in the American League. Um, According to FanGraphs, the the Twins have an eight percent chance of getting a first round by. Yeah, I think this is a triple. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Percent? Yeah. What? I think the Yankees are a pretty safe bet. Yeah, the Yankees. Uh, I don't know. Astros. Astros are, yeah, the Astros are playing really well right now. The Angels are probably a little bit better than the Twins, the Blue Jays. I could see the Angels just blowing it, though, because they're the Angels and they're just determined not to be good as long as Mike Trout exists and is great at baseball. Right now, the Twins are are two games better than the Angels. I believe that's entering play today. The Twins were two games better than the Angels. Maybe that's live. I'm not 100% sure. But. I could see the Angels passing them. Um, we'll see. I'll take the triple, though. I'm not complaining. Triple it is. Do you have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? He's also been liking the play of the Milwaukee Brewers this year. Um, he is going to predict that the Brewers end the season with the best record in the National League. So The right National League overall? Not yes. just the NL Central? Correct. The NL overall. So what what does Fangraphs give them for getting the number one overall? It doesn't list that. It just lists the buy, and it gives them a 46% chance of getting that buy, which is the second best odds in the NL behind, behind the, Dodgers, the Dodgers, 67% chance. They're two and a half games back span, right now. Yeah, they're two and a half games back of the Dodgers right now, and they're also a game back of the Mets game behind the as Mets. well. Yeah. Uh, Fangraph predicts them to be tied for the second best team in the uh, in the NL. They bet both the Mets and Brewers to have ninety three wins, but the Dodgers to have ninety eight wins. Uh, over on five thirty eight, it projects the Brewers at ninety six wins, um, but it predicts the Dodgers at hundred and six wins. Um, so I'm biased, but I I still think the Cardinals are a better team, or will end higher than the Brewers, in my opinion, but I don't think statistics backs me up on that. I don't think there are good odds for that. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think right now they are, but... I don't know. At, at least a double? Uh, yeah, I'm between a double and a triple. I would lean more towards a triple there. I mean, the Dodgers and the Mets are both two forces to not be reckoned with. Yeah. But the Mets well, don't have much... I would argue against that because the Mets don't have as much depth as I feel like the Brewers have. Well, the Mets haven't met. The Mets played like the majority of this season with like their best pitchers injured. Yeah, I mean, they well, they're already sitting there. Scherzer's only been out for a week now. Right. But, but I mean, if they can get DeGrom. those guys back healthy, DeGrom and Scherzer, I mean, if. they're already playing at this pace. Well, sure, but everything's right. if that's what predictions are. I don't know. I, I can definitely see them keeping this up. I don't know. I said double. And Wyatt said triple. I say double. All right, Mike, what do you say? Uh, Wyatt, you better get the coin out because I was leaning towards triple. So I have to decide with the coin flat. I do have our official write that down prediction tiebreaker coin, which is a John Adams gold dollar. Um, I'm going to flip the coin. And as soon as you hear it flick, one of you uh, talk amongst yourself, call, uh, call heads or tails. I'll, I'll call Man. heads, or I'll call okay. it on behalf of Josh, and if I'm right, he gets a triple then. Okay. Okay. Ready? Tails. It is heads. Josh gets a oh. double. Sorry, Josh. I tried. Sorry, Josh. At least you can blame John Adams on that one and not any of us. Coin don't lie. I'm going to put up on the board a Formula One-related 
prediction because we've had a couple Grand Prix here in the past couple weeks, and it's getting up to that point in time for the Ethereum cast where we actually talk about Formula One. I'm going to say that George Russell will end this season with more points than Lewis Hamilton. And for reference, mm. the current driver standings has George Russell at number four with 84 points, and Lewis Hamilton, a former seven-time world champion driver, uh, at number six with 50 points. And, and keep in mind, like first place, right, is 25 points. Um, so Lewis Hamilton gets first once or twice. He's uh, going to be surpassing the, the youngster here. Uh, isn't team. is does he have anything left in the tank though? I feel like he's see over the hill. He's not driving very well this year in sixth place. Uh-huh. I mean, two weeks ago he would got he had very unfortunate luck at the start of the race, and I mean managed to get back into the points from running in uh, running back in P nineteen. So I think he's still got it, but. George Russell just seems to seems to have a little bit more this season. I don't know. He certainly seems to have better luck. So the other and better that... strategy too. Oh, which is that's not necessarily Hamilton's fault, right? <laughs> the the other thing you got to keep in mind, right, is so they race for the same team, right? They both race for Mercedes. So as the season goes on, are some team orders going to be to give Russell? places over hamilton for team waters how's that gonna work out but that's assuming that's assuming that mercedes views russell still as driver one which in my i don't think they do uh, and if they were to give orders on something it would be maintaining the current order uh, on the track so if hamilton's ahead of russell it would be russell staying back right in, in that scenario you're thinking of. They, they they wouldn't give hamilton orders to yield to russell you don't think it, the only case they would do that is if Hamilton's actually driving really, really poorly, which he's not. And the okay. reason why, is, to, to me anyways, is more my opinion, that the reason why he's behind is a car and, and strategies. I don't think it's a driver. And, and I also I also think the only reason that Russell ever um, gets driver orders uh, to, or, well, Lewis gets orders to yield to Russell is if Russell gets closer to... Um, the driver's championship race and he's vying for points there. Um, but as of right now, Russell's pretty far back on uh, the trio of Verstappen, Checo and Charles right now, as well mm-hmm. as I think did, I think science leapt him this week in driver standings. Um, but uh, so, so the, current driver standings, he is, um, yeah, Checo is now at number three with uh, Russell in four. Yeah, so, but there is a large gap between Verstappen and Russell as of right now. So, I mean, that that gap would have to narrow down um, quite a bit. But going back to the prediction, what are we going to give this? Um, I'm inclined to say that this is a pretty safe bet for now. Um, but obviously, there's still a lot. I mean, with, with F1, as you can see, all it takes is a, a slight little touch in turn one and you're all the way back in P19 having to fight your way back into the points. So I'm leaning double. I don't think I don't think this is a triple. I mean, George Russell seems to have it, and he's had the luck so far. I mean, he's six races. single. I, I, I would have, I don't I would have gripes a with a single. In my opinion, I, the, there's no way this is happening. Yeah, no. The, there's also no way this is a single. I mean... There's what did we decide? Now there now there's fourteen or fifteen races left so far in, or left in the season. We're not even a third of the way through the that's through the that's it's it's a DNF and a no points finish with Hamilton finishing in points both times to that being like that that lead that Russell has being evaporated. What were you expecting to get for this, Wyatt? I'm still going for a triple on this one. Yeah, you have two. You, you have a world class driver and, and a youngster who, like I said, has all the luck right now. And I just don't think George Russell's driving ability, as good as it is, still doesn't rival Lewis Hamilton. So if you get them head to head, I hope I hope we get to see a team matchup where they can actually duke it out. Um, hopefully, with two functioning cars. We did, and Russell strategy. won last or two weeks ago. Which GP was that? What was two weeks ago? Uh, oh, that was Barcelona. Okay. And they're in Spain. Yeah, yeah. I, that's not really what I was expecting. That, that's not what I, when I'm thinking. Drivers duking it out. I'm thinking like Red Bull three or four years ago. Um, right. Ricardo um, and Verstappen duking it. Yeah. yeah. Or even uh, 
two years ago, Bottas and Hamilton. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think you can sway me to a triple. I'm at no, double here. I'm not going That's to fair. triple. That's fair. So uh, what happens if Mike picks a single, uh, Kyle picks a double, and I pick a triple? Then what do we do? We so average it to a double. Out. Oh, okay. We average it to a double is what I would okay, do. Okay, well, I'm going to say double then, and uh, we'll just stick with the double. You can't Sounds average good. it to a double and a half? Nope. <laughs> and no. Then we'll you're, in a, then you're yeah, in a pickle. Now you're in a pickle. That's unfortunate. Then you, Yeah, then you just out. So Double it is. What do you got, Kyle? So sticking with the F1 theme and even more so the uh, Mercedes uh, Patronus F1 team um, and George, I'm going to say that George Russell, um, I'm not banking or I'm not calling it luck right now. Um, I'm calling it just genuine good placement, good strategy. Overall, he's running really well. Um, I'm going to say that he finishes in the top five in 75% of races this season. So um, just to update this a little bit different, obviously, of an update from last week as he did finish P5 in Monaco. Um, so check that out up as number six this season. So his sixth top five finish on the season. And there are 21 races on the year, is that right? 22. Yeah. 22. So he's already got six of them. Yep. Yep. He needs 11 more. Yes. How many have there been so far? There's, he's gotten all six. Oh, okay. Well, that's a pretty—that's pretty good percentage. This seems like a single or double to me. Then it's not a single. Well, he's at one hundred uh, right now. One hundred percent is way better than seventy-five percent. If you so, I I would give I would give Russell two. You know, worst case scenario, two uh, DNFs for for one reason or another. Right? That that's uh, taking out of a, a chunk of his. You know, we, he has what five that he can he can miss still technically and, and get it correct. Um take two dnfs maybe two really bad performances where he's for whatever reason outside the top five and he could be forced to sit out of a race if he gets too many penalty points too which he does he have I, on his license i think he's up to two and it's seven it, right it's seven penalty points and you have to sit out uh let's so it, i think it's 12 i don't think it's seven uh, I think they, they upped that a couple. I'm oh, trying to figure do. out how many he currently has on his license. So uh, if you ever want to, t- talking to our aspiring uh, motorsport fans here who want to race an F1, uh, you have to get a license from the FIA, a super license. And essentially, bad things that you do, like hitting people on the track or you know, bad things, you get, you get a penalty point on your And once you get uh, X amount of penalty points, you'll have certain sanctions forced against you where you have to set a racer or something. That's what we're talking about here. So currently, George has, it looks like, eight total points. And I think a larger majority of those have fallen off. So he's probably down to two or three, like you said. I don't think there's an issue there. I'm between a single and a double, like right smack dab in the middle. I think last week, if you were to tell me this, it'd be a heavy double. But then he, you know, outperformed in Monaco again. I don't know. Plus, you did just say, Kyle, that you think... You believe in him, and you think he's racing really good, and you think it's going to happen. But then, when Kyle said it, or when Wyatt said he thinks it's going to happen, you said that you were less sure of it. What do you want to get? Well, it's just because of like who Lewis Hamilton is. Like that's still giving respect to the seven-time world champion in Lewis Hamilton. I mean, I think that George Russell has it this season, but. It's not easy to finish in top five. And yeah, it does take luck. But so far, he has at least one race in my mind that he's had a lot of luck. But ultimately, what it comes down to is, is this Mercedes car still reliable? Um, I don't know. I I could see him easily finishing at least two races outside of P8, two DNFs, and then a couple other you know, incidents that knock him way back where I don't think he can recover like Lewis Hamilton can if he gets a puncture and is relegated all the way down to P19 at the start of the race. So we haven't really seen him in in the middle of the pack, you know, right. He's either been at the back or with Merck now in the front. I I think there's enough race left of the season. I think a double is warranted here. I'll go with a double. I I won't complain about that. I guess I'll give you a double. What do you got, Ryan? 
I'm gonna let's let's go off on a tangent here for a second. We've talked about this before, I think, but uh, I I'm not sure that racing is a sport. I think racing is a hobby. It's an activity. I, I don't know why it's a sport technically. What are, what are you working out? What's the physical exertion? Your neck? Have you seen Formula One drivers' necks? I have not. They I are. mean, I don't look it up a lot. We don't have poster, you know, calendars of people with big, sexy necks. I mean, I drive to work every day. Am I an athlete because I drive? No, unless you're pulling uh, some G's. So, what speed do I have to get to to be considered an athlete for sitting in a car? Pull, pull, uh, five G's going around the corner. I dare you. (laughs) What speed is that? Well, Uh, what what do I have to get to? Okay, I think the pit crews might be more athletic than the drivers. That's fair. I will say, watching them do their stretches and work out before. Races is kind of fun. I like that. Pit crew they gotta be ready. My thing. But to be fair, changing tires and like working on your car is technically a hobby as well. That's true. I, mean, I don't think they're athletes. So they're also not doing it, you know, in seven seconds or whatever a pit crew does. That's pretty crazy to watch. Try, try 2.3, both Ferrari and Red Bull's fastest pit stops this season. That's, that's insane. Seconds. I don't even understand so, that. I can't even like unlock my you know front door of my house that fast so there was a an article it was a couple of years ago i guess lewis hamilton using a thing he he uh he loses about 10 pounds from the start of the race to the end of the race and essentially sweat and water's what eight pounds a gallon he's losing well over 1.25 gallons of liquid out of his body like sweat sweating it out right like you can't tell me you sweat a gallon of water throughout a uh an hour or two race there and, and it's not a sport well it's hot in there and they gotta wear like the i don't catch on fire suits i'm sure those are very brief there's like no space in there I, i'm sure that it's very hot hot also doesn't make it a sport it's fine i'm a hater but i'm just <laughs> saying i i think golf might be more of a sport than driving i'm not sure but back because just because they can walk all day i mean walking you swing your arms a little bit i can like you know See that you hey, have they, to do some they exertion. Walked, they walked the track prior to the race. I mean, if they drive the if they drive the golf cart fast enough between the holes, can they qualify for two sports? Is it pulling five G? I hope so. I'd rather watch that. <laughs> I mean, also golf carts are illegal uh, on the PGA Tour, but I'm now imagining but, a Happy Gilmore F1 mashup now. Now you got you got some people want to watch right there. That's exciting. I'd certainly. But back to it. Sorry, I got distracted. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, My prediction, um, the NBA draft lottery happened last week. We talked about it. It was a really great section and it got lost. So just trust us. Top notch. You'd love it. Um, But I am going to go ahead and predict that Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga goes number one overall to the Orlando Magic. And we looked up, we looked this up and we had a whole thing where we tried to convert Vegas odds to probabilistic odds of a percentage of a hundred, and it was not inte- not incredibly successful. But we figured it out, and I think it was in the high high teens, low twenties, if I recall correctly, of the odds of that happening. Does that sound right, Mike? It was in the, the mid twenties, yeah. Mid twenties, okay. So to me, that's like double territory. I mean, so who who is the who is the favorite for number one pick? Uh, the favorite would be Jabari Smith. Okay. And I think he was the favorite before the draft lottery, and it increased a little bit once the Orlando Magic win because he's a little bit of a better fit with the guys they have now. They have a lot of long, slender guys between the always injured Jonathan Isaac and then Mo Bamba as well. If you guys remember him from Texas, he kind of disappeared into the Siberian Arctic that is the Orlando Magic. You never hear anything about them. I do so, Jabari Smith's a little bit bigger, sturdier. He would fit a little bit better with their team, but I think that they end up going with the weird draft prospect high ceiling of Chet Holmgren because the NBA loves potential more than anything else. I mean, so this is probably a double to me, I think, unless somebody disagrees. Nah, that sounds like a double. Yeah, I'm good with that. Fine with that. Double it is. 
with four doubles and a triple. That concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 177 of the Other Living Cast. Appreciate y'all sticking around. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode, which sequentially, whether or not you believe me, will be episode 178. Wow, look at that. We love our sequential episode number. Up until 178, signing off for the, for the 8311 cast. We have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, RM Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.